0: Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres. We're here to talk to you with the Hockey Podcast Network.
1: As you all know, the Hockey Podcast Network is your one-stop shop for all things NHL year-round, featuring podcasts for each team based in their respective
0: local market. Subscribe today. You won't regret it.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Savers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And we are both fans of the 13-3, and 3, number two-seeded Buffalo Bills, who, at the time of us recording this probably about 20 minutes ago, just clinched uh, officially the two-seed and are now awaiting to see who we will end up playing. By the time you all listen to this, you'll know who we play, but we don't know yet, but the Bills... Thirteen and three, I absolutely whooped the Dolphins today. I mean, it was a ass whooping of epic proportions. And this comes without Trey White and without Cole Beasley. The starters only played the first half. Taylor, quickly before we get into the hockey stuff,
0: instant reaction. So a lot of people were comparing this and the potential Browns loss that didn't happen to this to the Steelers today to the 2004 Bills Week 17 lost to the Steelers where Steelers played all their backups. The bills lost and missed out on a playoff spot. It was their only real chance to make the playoffs in the 17 year stretch when they missed every year. So here's the thing though, the Browns game today almost actually was that cause it was against the Steelers, but actually Steelers backups again. And they really almost lost a two,
1: a failed uh, two point conversion away from a tie game.
0: Yeah, it was very, it was a very stupid game. This was not like that. This is a beatdown. Like you said, 56 points, the Dolphins at, at certain points of this year had the number one defensive DVOA, So like basically they're in the, the number one per de- pass defense, the
1: number one scoring defense too, right?
0: Yeah. They basically of their defensive metrics are, have been really good. And obviously two of their touchdowns that the, uh, that they allowed today were not defensive touchdowns, but man, all the way around because Allen, when he was in the game, after the first quarter, the first quarter was a little, eh, they just marched down the field whenever they wanted. Just, That's how they got to 28 by half. They're throwing to Isaiah McKenzie and then three touchdowns. Yeah. And then the punt return touchdown, which is really cool. And then Tua just giving, giving the game away in the second half because it it was 28 to six, I believe at halftime. And it kind of felt like, Oh, yikes. Matt Barkley looked bad coming out of the gate. And it was like, Oh man, could they actually blow this? I mean, it, it won't matter that much, but I wouldn't like that. And then <laughs> Tua throws a pick six. And think there's another interception that sets up a touchdown. Barkley hits like a long bomb to Gabriel <laughs> Davis that sets up a touchdown with the running back that I've never heard of. No, did, never heard of him. I think his name was – I want to say Antonio Williams. Yeah. Who <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> had two touchdowns. McKenzie had three touchdowns. Side note, then- can we talk about Antonio Williams just looking like a – beast
1: out there just barreling people like okay maybe uh I, I I mean maybe I'm getting ahead of myself but let's get this guy on the roster for the playoffs
0: yeah maybe get him some carries so and then like he hit Gabe Davis and another long touchdown that got set up by another Dolphins turnover it was unbelievable unbelievable just all all phases of the game obviously the Dolphins and Tua put up some kind of garbage time numbers like getting down the field quickly but man what what the hell? Honestly, I don't even know what to think about this. They're thirteen and three. They scored almost five hundred points this year. They've outscored their opponents by more than hundred points since the bye. and they had a pretty late bye this year. They just they've blown out. I don't know how many teams in a row now. Four. They're just whooping
1: everybody. They would have been on a ten game win streak too, right? Had they, I don't know if you mentioned that, right? Wouldn't they be if had they beaten? Uh, Arizona, yeah. if if that last minute hail mary
0: wouldn't have happened, they'd be on a ten game win streak right now. Yep, yep, the hail mary. Yeah, they would have been fourteen and two. It would have been their franchise record for wins as well. But oh, anyway, wow. I don't want to dwell on that because it's been incredible. Um, also, shout out to Josh for breaking the uh, single season passing record too. Yep, he's he's broken pretty much every passing single season record for the Bills. Yep, and Stefan Diggs broke a few records of his own. Let me so, ask
1: you something, cool. Taylor. Thinking back to the start of the 2019 season, if you would have been told that next year the team will go 13 and three and be the two seed and be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, maybe the second best team in the NFL, how would would you have actually even believed a word that came out of my mouth? Had somebody told you that?
0: No. <laughs> and in fact, I would say they're playing like the best team in the NFL. It's
1: remarkable. They
0: really the past are. Six weeks or so. They I really mean, they are. Just trying to think back right now. So like they beat the Patriots by a lot. Um, They beat the Broncos by 30. They beat the 49ers by a good amount. When's the last time they had a close game? I don't know if I remember. The hell if I know. I, I sort of don't remember there being a close game like in forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, It's incredible. They're also, I
1: will say this, I mean, granted, by the time everybody listens to this, um, we'll know who the, who the winners are, but regardless or who the, uh, who the matchup is going to be, but regardless of that, they're in pretty good shape because I really like, I I know a lot of people, I mean, Lamar definitely has not been the same player that he was last year, but I really would not want to play the Ravens in the first round. And now we're in a situation where it's either going to be Miami, uh, Tennessee or Indianapolis. Um, I probably wouldn't want to play Tennessee, but again, I'm not really scared of anybody at this point, but if you get to play Miami or the Colts in the first round, I'd be pretty
0: happy about that. Very happy about that. Yes, I would too. Cause I'm, those are the quarterbacks. I'm least probably
1: going to be the Colts though. I, I, the way it's trending right now, watch tomorrow. It won't be, but
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they have to, they have to beat the Jaguars. They really should be able to do that.
1: Right. And Tennessee is playing against Houston, who they should be able to beat. And then they would clinch the division if they win.
0: True. Now, I mean, yeah, very interesting. Those are both going on right now. So we don't, we don't actually know who won. So, but uh, I, people talked a lot today. Like I, I dropped a, a stat on Twitter. Uh, the bills won 13 games this year uh, between week eight, in 2008 and the end of the 2010 season, they only won 12 games. That just broke my brain. I, I, I was thinking about that. It's Why insane because the Bills didn't really have even though they were bad for a really long time they didn't really have an extended, extended stretch of being terrible like the Lions had that one run where they were 5 and 47. Mm-hmm. We didn't have anything like that, but like from the collapse in 08 they went to I think they finished the season 2 and 7. Like that's really bad or 2 and 8. Oh my god, they did. Yeah, they were 2 and 8 to finish the season. And then the next year they were 6 and 10. And then the year for that, they're four and 12. So yeah, that's 12 and oof, 12, it's crazy and to
1: 32. Think, I mean, just thinking back to that time, it, it just felt like there was no possibility back then of us ever getting out of like the basement, you know, think like the early 2010s at least. And yeah. especially thinking that we would have a quarterback of the level of Josh Allen and weapons on offense of the level of, you know, Diggs and Beasley and Brown, who thank God he was like great to see him back today. He looked great today. Um, you know, and then you have Moss and Singletary and now fucking antonio williams <laughs> like, yeah. oh man but really though like it's cool to see the level of of talent surrounding this team and just thinking back to you know that almost two decade period where we just were forced to watch these abysmal offenses struggle to move the ball down the field and when anytime there was a, a glimmer of hope uh, immediately turn the ball over um and, and it's just amazing to see it's the amount of kind of pinch me moments that I feel like every bills fan has had this season has been far too many to count because it has just been amazing to see. And it's not like a matter of, this isn't a, a Sabres 10 game winning streak in the middle of November. Like this is, like yeah,
0: it. yeah, so, definitely. go Bills. Uh, so to kind of get it back to the Sabres, I was thinking today that, you know, the real low points, like we mentioned, the early 2010s when it seemed like they were going to move and nothing good was going to happen before then. Like, basically, 2007 to 12, maybe. Yeah. um That was a really dark era. But 2005 kind of stands out to me also because after the disaster at the end of 04, uh the 05 team was clearly not as good. Lostman came in. He was a big disaster. And I think Tequila Spikes tore his ACL, and it was like, oh, that window, it, it slammed shut at the end of 2004. And it was like, okay, now you have this team. You I think they had quite a few free agents coming up, either then or the next year. and They had no no real juice on offense. And I think mold's left after that year too. So 05 is like when you realize like, oh, we're in a drought now. <laughs> like now this is serious because we have to rebuild again. For this, it was either the second or third rebuild of the drought. And it's like, uh, yikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that same time, the sabers got really good or they were getting really good in that fall and that you know it was a two-year really good run and i would say even after that the sabers kind of the main uh team in town that people were excited about or interested in for quite a while the bills definitely i mean they're an nfl team it's versus an nhl team so it's you always have that dynamic but like right. in terms of people actually being like people our age especially i think definitely leaned heavier on sabers until pretty much weirdly i wouldn't even say till the bills got good it was when the tailgate stuff started to get fun
1: yeah yeah
0: that was that was a big thing and then obviously now they're really good they've been good <laughs> pretty much when
1: years. we all started drinking it got more.
0: yeah well the, the bills have always had fun tailgates but it just it went to another level i would say as someone who actually went to games when they were a kid and couldn't drink i would say it went to another level in like the 20 13 14 i mean those guys died in 2012 and that's when they started getting attention and then like in 2015 they had we were on deadspin every week with something going on the flaming tables jumping through tables Started in 2015 and yeah now it's insane Mm -hmm. so so anyway that gets us back to the sabers a little bit because now this is the best bill season in since 1993 probably and the sabers uh yikes we're about to, start to talk. we're about to start talking. This isn't the point where we just realized we know we're in a drought. We're well aware of it. There's not really – I don't know if there's that much of a light at the end of the tunnel. But there's also not this weird possibility hanging over like we're going to move or – there's not a dullness that there was to the odds bills. yeah. So, because there's Eichel mainly because there's Eichel but there's other stuff going on but it, i'm not saying the sabers are exciting but there is some exciting things that happen because of Eichel maybe Dallein and then maybe Hall and Stahl we'll see uh, but but as we get into this i will say that i feel a little i don't, I don't feel very confident in anything that's happening mm-hmm. and i think i i think we've reached a point with the sabers where they feel like those odds, bills Justin that you're never really uh, you never really think anything good is ever going to happen. Anyway, I want to get to talking about lines and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Quite
1: a segue. Uh, so to that point, one thing that immediately jumped to my mind that I've noticed a couple of people bringing up on Twitter lately, name uh, notably Kevin, our, our our pal who's been on a couple of times. And I believe Chad also has brought this up, but the one thing that I will say about this upcoming Sabre season is probably more than maybe any season back. I I guess maybe you could say like with when O'Reilly was here, but one thing to hang on to at least though, is that there are a lot of different outcomes that we might experience this year, like adding stall and hall into the mix. Um, is going to help a lot. I think that's undeniable. The thing is though, is that we just don't know how much that will help when the defense hasn't changed at all. And the goalies haven't changed at all. So I feel like at the very least adding two key pieces like that. And this is the point that people are making. Like there is at least a wider range of outcomes this year than just being like, yeah, we're probably going to be bottom 10. Um, They have the, they could make some noise, but also they could completely fall flat on their face uh, and I think like any uh, Sabres fan in 2021, Happy New Year, everybody, uh, I, I'm going into this season with little optimism, lots of skepticism, but taking everything kind of with a grain of salt. And I'm just going to kind of try and enjoy it as much as I can and not get mad about things until it's fully necessary to Granted things already making me a little bit mad, but that'll happen. So Taylor let's, yeah, let's get into it now. Um, just as a general overview, a couple days ago, the Sabres opened up camp again with them being one of the teams who did not make it into the bubble. They were able to start their season a little bit earlier than everybody else. Um, So we have some line combinations and defensive pairings that have come from this. We also have Jack Eichel, who is not been practicing. Thankfully, he's only day to day. Victor Olofsson uh, got banged up a little bit the other day. He also is now day to day. So you're missing two thirds of your top line. But thankfully for both of them, it's really not anything serious that we need to worry about. But that all considered early reactions to the start of training camp with the regular season. Now, by the time that everybody will be able to listen to this, uh, less than 10 days away.
0: Yeah. So one interesting thing is Ralph Kruger basically said in no uncertain terms that these are probably the lines. We're not going to mess around with too many things because this is such a short training camp. It's like less than two weeks. So they don't have time to really try different guys out. This is what they're going to roll the season with. Uh, kind of concerned that two of the guys that were on the top line are both hurt. Not really sure what they're going to do about that. Um, but what it kind of strikes me that the Sabres have a much better second line than last year. Uh, mostly because they actually have a center for the second line, mm-hmm. which is turns out is huge. Um, so, but right now it looks like Eric Stahl is going to center Jeff Skinner and Sam Reinhart. That sounds like a really good line to me. Mm-hmm. And then the top line provided that they are both, you know, recovered in time Uh, for the season to start in less than two weeks you'll have Eichel centering Taylor Hall and Victor Olofsson so those that's great now what gets me and this is what concerns me is that your third line you're rolling out is Cody Eakin centering Gergensen's and El Poso or I think potentially you have another you have another line here that's Lazar centering Thompson and Reader. and you obviously have the opportunity for Asplin, Cousins maybe a couple other guys to uh to get in there, which Cousins is another interesting thing we should talk about after this, Yeah, but
1: I was going to bring him up. Yeah.
0: That bottom six stinks. That's really bad. That is not good at all. Unless Cousins gets in there and is like really b- better uh, quicker than we thought he was going to be.
1: I have a big butt to this though. Yeah. That the, maybe it's me being optimistic, but today, today's lines they had Rooster line in at center between hall and Thompson. So obviously I'm not thinking about this because I'm wondering if Roostaline is going to play with Hall, but first of all, Roostaline in at center, I think is huge. I also think that Roostaline and playing with Thompson and then that third group or that fourth line in this instance was Middlestat, Lazar and Reader. So I would feel much, 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 much better if the third line is actually Cousins, Roostalainen, and Thompson, and then the fourth line is going to be Gergensen, Eakin, and Oc- and and Opozo. And rather than trying to roll them out as the log line, you're playing them in the fourth line minutes that I know we had talked about a few episodes ago that you need to convert that line to right now. Um I think that changes things a lot for me when looking at the forward group. It doesn't change things, obviously, with the defense, but if your third line is, if you're going to take the gamble and go Cousins, Roost, and Thompson, and then do Gergenston's Eakin Opposo for your fourth line, I feel pretty solid about that forward group top to bottom. And it makes me hate Cody Eakin a lot less. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um,
0: I guess but that's it will a be. Huge
1: if, huge if, because Ralph yeah. always does not do the fun things like that.
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, it makes me think that when Eichel's, well, you know, actually both of her top two lines could be exciting, but whatever time is spent with the bottom six on the ice, I think is going to be a lot of very risk-free hockey. If I had to imagine. Um, also a huge wrinkle here is Dylan cousins is playing in the world juniors mm-hmm. uh, doing very well. Uh, so he's not at camp. No. <laughs> so the, and, most years, I don't know. I mean, most years they would already been playing by now and theoretically he could have been on the team and not even gone to world juniors, but there's also the consideration that he's, this is already a really short training camp and he's going to miss most of it. So I wonder what that means for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's tough because if you have to think about it, so they're approaching the quarter or the semifinals right now Um That means, you know, cousins will be able to be in Buffalo by the time training camp starts, but he's going to have to go through a two week, a two week quarantine or 10 day, whatever it is now he's going to have to quarantine. So that's going to definitely throw a wrinkle in things. However, though, I am, I mean, he is lighting up the world juniors right now. He's the first uh, Canadian with 13 points in a single world juniors since Ryan Nugent Hopkins in 2013. And I mean, let's be real here. We know that every year Canada is stacked. And so the the company that he's putting himself in um is it's it's significant you know and if he ends up leading them to a gold medal a gold medal while not having potentially I mean aside from him like Kirby Doc was like Canada's other best player and not having him um and just doing it just leading the way I mean that's huge and I'm all about that um, but you're right, though, at the end of the day, thinking about this in relation to the Sabres, though, it definitely does not help not having him there, um, giving him the familiarity with just being in the room and getting to know the guys. I mean, there's some new faces there as it is. But also, though, I mean, he was in the WHL all of last season. So he really hasn't had a ton of exposure to the locker room and just the den- the day to of- day of being on an NHL team, which. You know, it's, that's going to suck having to, and it's completely unlike, you know, most situations, if at all. I mean, you really don't have to worry about this when training camp is in September. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's going to be an issue, but I guess to the extent of how much it's going to, you know, hinder his ability to have his game translate to the NHL level that remains to be seen. But I mean, what do you think? I mean, what level of concern do you have Taylor with him? Like how high is your concern that he's not there?
0: Uh, not really that high, honestly. I mean, yeah, he's pretty busy doing something really impressive. It just makes me wonder how he'll fit in. Cause I could see a scenario Ralph was like, I have my lines figured out. So, you know, tough shit. I have to
1: think he wouldn't be, I mean, granted you can't ever make these assumptions, but I would have to think that they wouldn't do something like that. I mean, where the hell is he going to play? They're not going to send him to Europe. Like he's making the team this year.
0: Yeah, no, he has to. I just wonder if that could lead to healthy scratches and whatnot, but I guess we'll see. I mean, the way he's playing at world juniors, it kind of looks like he's going to words. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it shouldn't lead to that because he doesn't, he doesn't just look like someone who could crack an NHL roster or play in whatever this bottom six is going to be. He looks like a potential star, which is great. Great. Great news for the Sabres. Finally drafted well out of the top two, you know, but I, I just, I guess it, it kind of makes me curious about where this, uh, where this will all end up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm very excited to see where it's going to go. I, I mean, I have to imagine that Ralph has a plan for once cousins gets there. Um and, you know, definitely having Jack and, and Vic out hurts with having a better idea of what that plan is going to be, because then you just have the lines a little bit more solid. Um, But yeah, so then, I mean, any other thoughts on the forwards before we, we get into the fun stuff of, of defense and a goalie and the goalie situation? No. Yeah, let's let's move on. Let's get let's get not optimistic now. So uh yeah not great as we have mentioned before and as we have mentioned several times throughout this uh you know since the start of of our season at least the sabers did not make any changes to their defensive unit at all with the exception of adding matt Irwin. um goaltending same thing no changes there so not exactly ideal um especially considering it's not like the defense you know was, uh, was the crown jewel of the team last year. I mean, it was definitely improved, but there are some glaring holes there and that's, a, it, it's a, it's a problem that it wasn't addressed. We'll see how far we get into the season before, you know, that problem really starts to kind of show its teeth. But as far as the the early defensive pairs we have, as you would expect uh, for the top six uh, McKay Bristol line and being a pair, Darlene and Montour being a pair and then Miller and Yoki Haru. So to me, looking at this, um, I don't love this for obvious reasons. Um, I really hope that the plan is to not have Ristolainen and McCabe be the top pair again this year. I, I Darlene, it, it, it's, it's not even a matter of, of a debate or having an opinion on it. It's, it is like objectively he needs to be getting top pairing minutes. Uh, and now we don't know if that's going to happen, but also if it does happen, do we want it to be
0: happening with Brandon Montour?
1: What do you think Taylor?
0: Uh, not especially, but I don't know what else you're going to do. No. Um line Montour was a huge disaster last year, except for the fact that they got a crazy. So maybe it wasn't really a disaster. It just had the potential to be one. They had a crazy on ice save percentage. So they gave up a lot of opportunities. Didn't create that many on the other end, but they, they got pretty lucky, uh, which was com- the complete opposite of Ursuline and McCabe. I kind of like the idea of Ursuline and McCabe playing together, but not as a top pair.
1: As like the third pair in, in terms of what we have available.
0: Probably, yeah. Uh, Miller and Yokiharu, uh I uh, that's fine, I guess. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, that's also not a pair that you would like to see too much of. But it's good enough. It's fine. Uh, the problem is now with that leaves you without a top pair. So you have Darlene. And you got to put Montour with him. Montour has been really unimpressive. I would say in a lot of ways. I mean, he kind of puts up points, but he's not impressive in his own end. I don't. I don't love his breakout ability. His analytics are bad. They are bad and have been bad his entire career. He he and Ristolainen gave up way too many opportunities last year. But maybe Dalene makes a leap where it kind of doesn't matter as much who his partner is.
1: That's what you have to hope for. I think at this. Yeah. Point. Um. I mean.
0: Otherwise I think you're going to be in for having a pretty bad first pair.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, the other problem with all of this too, I mean, of course we're talking about Darlene needing to get top pair minutes, but I don't want Henry Yoki. Haru getting third pairing minutes? He, he shouldn't be for that matter. Um, so that's yeah. Not making any changes. It, it doesn't give them a whole lot of flexibility, but if you were able to, you know, create the pairings yourself, how would you construct them?
0: I would throw Montour down to the third pairing uh, and put one of Miller or Haru with Darlene. I just trust them more, mm-hmm. even though I don't think either of them should really probably be playing on the first pairing, but what are you going to do? Uh, An interesting thing to to consider for this season, though, is the Sabers' ability last year to – not make things too hard on their goalies. I mean, it still was too hard for Carter Hutton, but their ability to not allow too many quality chances, a lot of that I think was driven by their forwards.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And I think especially by the log line and especially on that line by Larson. Larson was incredible in his own end. Uh, You don't have Larson anymore. it has gone. So now I wonder what the, I mean, if, if you're replacing with Eakin, that's a downgrade, but I wonder what that means for their ability to limit quality chances now especially because like you said, they didn't make any changes on defense. This is the same <laughs> inadequate defense that they've had and they didn't make any changes in net.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Not what you really want, you know, and again, Adams deserves all the credit in the world for being able to get hall and, and Stall here. I mean, mainly, you know, I, I would say probably stall more. So just because the hall, I think was, you know, Ralph and Jack was the selling point. I don't think that Kevin Adams necessarily, uh, blew the doors off of him with like a, some pitch or whatever, but, uh, still credit done. I mean, he got it, he got it done. So he gets credit for that. Um, but you know, when you don't address the defense again, like I said before, it's like the forwards last year were bad. Don't like, they needed to get addressed. You needed to get a top two center, uh, or a second line center, and you needed to get another top six forward. And you were able to do that by getting the best of the ones that were available. Um, but just because you landed Hall doesn't mean that you didn't need to address the defense. And it also doesn't mean that you weren't able to, He, he really didn't have that many cap restrictions that would have prevented him from, from making moves, especially considering the fact that the guys that you would ideally be swapping out here. One is Ristolainen who you have on the books for two more years and two is Montour who, yeah, he didn't have a contract coming out of last season, but he was an RFA. And so you had his rights, so it, it it's it's puzzling to say the least., um, you know, it, it, the only thing, and I'm not suggesting that this is the case at all, but the only conceivable way that I think that that's gonna end up working out is if Kruger ends up pretty much changing his defensive philosophy. Uh, and you know, they change their system, I guess, in their own zone to to make it easier for. I, I don't know for their lack of talent, I guess, on the blue line, or if he thinks that you know something that we've talked about at, at great lengths um, with being a problem with not only Ralph but just Sabres coaches in general in recent years. It um, was a problem with Housley and with Bylsma is using players to their strengths rather than forcing them to play to a system. Ralph has done that. Ralph did that last year. He really did not allow guys to play to their strengths, um, you know, and that's the only thing to me that I would think that they could maybe do uh, that coinciding with changing up how you're going to break minutes down um, and, and deploy. But otherwise I, I don't really have a whole lot to be hopeful of. Other than I, I shouldn't say other than outside of the only thing that we really can be hopeful of is like you had said, Taylor, that Daleen takes a massive step and is just playing at a point where he's just able to drag around anybody who you put with them and make them look better and elevate their game
0: yeah that yeah that's well put uh that's that's one area where that's going to be crucial for this year to make sure that Darlene is playing up to his potential and developing the right way and you're not limiting limiting him by making him play more defensive than he should be or or not taking the chances that he should be yeah so that will be interesting let him be let him be who he is like yeah you know Embrace exactly. it. Um, now, also, the goaltending situation is I mean, a concern.
1: I, I And it's a, even more of a concern now, too. I mean, I granted, he doesn't really matter, but also reports have been that Jonas Johansson has looked horrible. And if we're being honest, it was a long shot, but if he would have been lights out, I mean, maybe the, you at least get some chatter about him making the team over Hutton, um, but he's been atrocious apparently which again you know doesn't matter as much when you also consider that UPL is going to be the guy um in Rochester this year like their workhorse but uh yeah to the guys who are actually going to definitively be on the roster um Allmark and Hutton i, I mean i feel like we say every week that we are not confident in them and usually make a blind joke about Hutton but do you have any hope for them other than all standing on his head? Like, do you think that Hutton has any chance of showing some level of consistent success for this team at being like perfectly average?
0: Uh, I guess maybe, I guess the one thing is that although he didn't have much of a track record before coming to Buffalo, he was a career backup. He never really started that many games. Uh, he was usually okay he was pretty solidly mediocre and then it was like all of a sudden he the the past two years especially has been atrocious and i kind of wonder maybe maybe some of that was the eye thing i mean he's also getting kind of older he's in his mid-30s so but maybe maybe it's not the eye thing or maybe maybe it was the eye thing a little bit and he can be average that'd be huge i mean he was so far below average last year yeah and Allmark staying healthy is huge obviously but he's also kind of been average. So I don't know. I I think you're you're really hoping for an for average goaltending, which is unfortunate because it's such a high variance thing in general. You could be like, Oh, I hope, you know, Ryan Miller, for example, is a 9.25 goalie or Robin Leonard, even he's proven that since he left. Oh, I don't think you can really hope for anything extraordinary this year. I mean, you can hope for whatever you want, but I, (laughs) I don't think it's a very realistic hope.
1: Not at all. I to me, it it sent a message of kicking the can to the curb for, you know another year and just hoping that allmark is good enough to at least be average. and really, it just sends a signal that you're waiting for UPL for next year. Yeah. to me, that's that that's how it feels. you know you had the ability to address it. um and especially, you know, Granted, it would be harder to lure some of the goalies who were available this year compared to the teams that they went to. But there were guys who were available who really did not, you know, get as high of deals, I guess, as we would have maybe anticipated. Um, it, you know, like a guy like Braden Holtby, for example. Not that I'm saying that he's somebody who they should have went after or even Markstrom. But I, they really didn't get like they didn't get Bobrovsky deals, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um, and you could have at least tried to address it in some way. And then you could still have the luxury of choosing between a guy who is more proven than Allmark, Mark. Um, and then you have UPL like coming and waiting in the wings. Like you had the ability to do it. You, you could have, and they just didn't, um, you know, and granted we don't know the inner workings and whether or not Adams really even pursued any of the goalies that were out there or whether they felt like they could just go into this year with the same, same setup, but I would be curious to know the truth behind that. Um, if it was a matter of them going out and trying to find somebody or if it was just, you know, they felt like they could actually, you know, do something with Allmarker if they have too much confidence in them. Cause it, it, it just doesn't feel like that. That was, I don't know. What do you think would need to be addressed more defense or the goaltending situation?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, Probably defense, honestly, just because they're in a tough spot with goaltending. And if they really are confident in UPL, I, I somewhat see how they can let this year ride. And I also see with the financial issues that the Pagoulas probably weren't too keen on paying Carter Hutton to either be in the AHL or not start right. or not play at all. So I I get that a little bit more. I think at this point, you really just – you can't – and it, it's really irresponsible to go to go into another year where you're relying on wrist lining this much. It's really – Concerning that I think they are kind of committed to Brandon Montor. Just a lot of things like that. I mean, just going with the exact same defense is frustrating, we'll say.
1: To say the least. To say the Maybe. least. Yeah, I guess it's just, you know, there's a lot that remains to be seen. Um optimism for the forwards and for the top six at least, and then everywhere else, not so much.
0: <laughs>
1: yep. But at least there's optimism for the top six, though. Yeah, that. that's fun. Two good lines. Is that so, allowed? I know, right? I, it's unheard of. Um, so anything else that we want to touch on on, on camp at all before we uh, transition?
0: Uh, I think that's good.
1: So we, uh, you know, one thing that I wanted to just quickly do, Taylor, if you don't mind, you know, it, lately, um, you know, we're now at January 3rd, which means uh, we just had the new year. Uh, the holiday season is, is right behind us. Um, but I realized something very sad that you and I were never able to uh, exchange gifts. And I, I, I got you something. Rather, I found you a piece of Sabre's history and our friendship history. Um, and uh, I wanted to present this to you on the podcast so that we could have this reaction. And we'll have to share this on our, our social channels as well. But um, I got you something truly from the heart Um, that it means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to you. I actually think this might even be yours and it's me just like returning this to
0: you. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Dude, Dude, I told you. It's real. I told you it's real Taylor. The Brad boys Jersey, it exists. And I found it in my
1: dad's basement like two weeks ago when we were just going through and getting Christmas decorations. And we were like clearing some stuff out of the basement. And he was like, Brent, I think some of your stuff is in this bin over here. And buried at the bottom scrunched up was the Brad boys anniversary jersey, It exists. It is real. This piece of, of Rick's movie's blue and gold make Darlene and now straight up Sabres history. It's alive.
0: So to clarify for listeners that don't know about this saga, like <laughs> I would say like about probably the beginning of last Sabre season, somewhere around there, about a year and a half ago, I brought up to Brendan that he had a Brad boy jersey. And he thought I was joking. I think I, did. I
1: legitimately I, did
0: because Brad boys, uh, had a pretty uneventful run as a saber for about a year and a half. And I was, I remember distinctly, this is after the 2011 season sabers have been eliminated in the playoffs. They had gotten Brad boys at the deadline and he was pretty good. I mean, better than their recent acquisitions like Steve Bernier and Dominic Moore and Rafi Torres. So we were like, Oh, okay. This guy's not bad. And he was coming back for the next year. So I were be- like being like, Oh, Brandon, you got a shirt. for this guy? And he was like, yeah, I think he's going to be really good next year. And obviously if you remember the 2011-12 season. the following season, year though. Yeah, he was good after he left. He was not good at all. And he got That's in Lindy's okay. doghouse and Lindy took him off the power play. And it's like, well, I don't know what you think Brad Boys is going to do now. <laughs> and so it was, uh, d- it did not go well. So Brendan just thought I was lying or crazy. <laughs> probably both. <laughs> yeah. When I said this, but it exists. It's real. It
1: exists. I, honest to God, think I've worn this thing maybe a total of like one or two times, to be honest. It was, it was like buried when I tell you like, this was, this was not touched in, I, I don't even know how long, like my, it was just in the bottom of a huge tote full of like clothes of mine that I just had never looked at or never got rid of. And, and it wow. exists. And so uh, I, I was thinking I might get it framed for you. Um, oh, if <laughs> I, what would this be? Like, this is kind of like, maybe it's taking it like a little bit too far, but I think it's pretty close to say that like me finding this is probably close to the resurrection of jesus christ after uh like this is it's kind of like our own personal easter
0: yeah like people didn't believe the the doubting Thomases of the world but then i was one of them
1: yeah you know all the naysayers people didn't believe that it could come back or that it even was real in the first place and and you have this just amazing moment where it's just resurrected from from the dead and it's alive but I just wanted to bring that onto the pod, uh, close uh, close the chapter on on that part of our friendship that it does, oh, wow. <laughs> it does exist and stop fighting so, with each other now. About it. <laughs> so are you going to wear it? Uh, no, I'm thinking maybe an incinerator, honestly. Maybe uh, you and I can hang out and we can just find like a fire somewhere and just toss it in. Hmm, just maybe. a casual fire around Buffalo at, somewhere, you know?
0: We'll see. Well, hey, if the Bills win the Super Bowl, there'll be probably plenty of them. So
1: that is true. That is true. Maybe it'll. Oh, nice. Maybe it's a sign of good luck. I mean, I'm showing you this now. The Bills put up their second highest point total in a game in in team history. Uh, mm. Maybe somebody's wa- Maybe Brad Boys is watching right
0: now. <laughs> yeah, he's somewhere out there watching over us.
1: He's looking down on us from from his his house in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs>
0: It's like that—that that, um, the quote from the end of uh, "No Country for Old Men" when Tommy Lee Jones is talking about his dreams, and he's like, "You know, somewhere I knew out there in that cold, net that darkness, that Brad Boys would be there. And he'd, be, he'd be looking out for me."
1: <laughs> oh man! Maybe we have to overdub that.
0: I yeah, do it. we can yeah. make
1: our own alternate ending to "No Country for Old Men." Um. <laughs> 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 uh, Taylor, no you have country a for old
0: boys. No
1: for own boys do we do we have a quiz or anything today at all by the way
0: i do not have one
1: i actually don't either i thought we could just kind of enjoy this bill's victory and not subjugate everybody to 10 minutes of us going hmm who the hell could this guy be so <laughs> yeah as fun as it normally is don't get me wrong we're gonna do it for, we're, we'll do it for uh for wednesday's or for thursday's episode we'll we'll have a quiz All right. Sounds good. We'll let every, we'll, we'll both of us, we can enjoy our our Sunday evenings and, and bask in the wonderfulness of the bills being awesome. Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh everybody again keep an eye out for uh all this upcoming avalanche of sabers news that is going to be happening now with the season again by the time you're listening to this only nine days away very very exciting uh it also means that taylor and i are going to be strictly talking about hockey a lot more i think now uh, oh, yeah. which is good we've, we've been deviating and there's been a lot of filler in there over the past few weeks so now we're excited to really get underway with doing what we do best, which is just screaming ruthlessly about the Sabres being bad and making us so sad all the time. So yeah. we're in for a lot of fun. Um, but it's going to be a great season. I- I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to see how things are going to shake out. And also for what it's worth, uh, reports today that Pierre Luke Dubois of the Columbus blue jackets is seeking a trade. I know it will Whoa. never happen, but like, uh, please let's make that happen. Um, you go go out and get him, and uh, I will not be complaining about the Sabres very much if you actually bring him in, too.
0: I did not see that today. That's very surprising.
1: Portorello even addressed it in a press conference. He said, we're not going to hide from it. We're going to handle it out in the open the same way that we did with Panarin and, Bob- and Bobrovsky.
0: Handled that swimmingly.
1: So. They went really well for them. So let's handle that the same way, and we'll just take them off your hands yeah sounds
0: good all right you want to do the uh, recommendations of the week i would yeah you want to go first what do you got for uh for the visual side of things so a lot of people the past week were doing their best of 2020 movie list which is bizarre bizarre because barely anything was in theaters
1: True.
0: Uh, so anyway it's just it's just strange times in general so maybe my next couple will be different ones that i knew movies that i did like from 2020 i mean there's T- about two months in a week of movie theaters like being open and then tenant and then just things that went on streaming services and that's like it so but anyway the one i'm going to say now is invisible man which is the last movie i saw in theaters mm. in oof, uh the first week of march i guess um wow. yeah it's it's not exactly a direct remake of the 1933 movie but it's very interesting um it stars Elizabeth moss incredible actress uh it has a lot of themes that are like psychological abuse related themes uh isn't she a Scientologist that? she is yes huh. <laughs> she is huh. um so Wait, what did you dr- say that the movie's about uh psychological abuse <laughs> yeah huh. interesting huh. No
1: uh reason for me asking
0: <laughs> and physical abuse actually but anyway uh directed by lee winnell who directed upgrade which is another uh, fantastic movie so great stuff pretty great all the way through honestly i i thought it was a fantastic horror movie and i have not been to a movie theater in more than 300 days now so great stuff great stuff on that end everyone it's
1: so sad it doesn't like i still cannot like fathom that we are going to be approaching march like in six weeks that just is not computing that it's about to be march again because march pre-covid feels like it was at least two years ago
0: <laughs> yeah man man
1: hmm. crazy what was your favorite movie of 2020
0: it might be invisible man i'm trying to think i mean of new movies i saw there's obviously not many of them i saw you like tenet? i saw like what's that you see tenet no i see i didn't see Tenant. Oh. um i'm not a huge nolan guy but i guess we'll uh We'll see whenever i do see it uh, i saw like i saw three new movies in theaters this year like the beginning of the year i went and saw a lot of the 2019 oscar movies so i did go to the theater a lot but i saw let me think here harley quinn fantasy island and invisible man all in theaters uh Fantasy island was terrible yeah, the other uh, harley quinn was okay and then i liked harley invisible quinn, man yeah. invisible was- man i liked a lot and then i think i'm trying to just think through the like new movies i saw i'm thinking of ending things which was on netflix charlie kaufman fantastic i might bring that up later i also saw mank david fincher movie and soul the new pixar movie so you know i'm just gonna say invisible man because i'm a horror guy and i thought it was an incredible horror movie i thought it i like lee winnell's style a lot and i think it touched on some relevant social themes which is always good to see horror movies do especially when it's so not so subtextual but like at least mildly subtextual
1: Mm mm-hmm what did you think of uh, – so you really liked Soul, though? Yeah, Soul was good. I have, I have to watch it still, but I've seen people give mixed reviews to it. Like I've seen some – it's kind of both ends of the spectrum where some people are saying that they were like really disappointed, but then other people are saying it might be their favorite Pixar movie.
0: Yeah, so the first things I saw before I saw it was people saying it was in the Pantheon or the Mount Rushmore of Pixar movies. I, I don't think it is for me, and I haven't even seen all of them, but I wouldn't put it in my top four, oh, but it's really good. Film. Yeah yeah well i haven't seen funny thing i haven't seen toy story 3 which is crazy Mm. for people our age and i haven't seen up which a lot of people put in their pantheon you
1: want to have a movie date sometime and watch up because i actually have not seen the full movie people say it's sad right i'm taylor we're sabers fans i will cry with you if you want to cry together yes
0: wow okay yeah that sounds good i'll do that i mean they're all on disney plus now right that's what i'm saying yeah no that's cool so yeah if you uh if you have kids especially soul is good but i mean it's like it's it's much of an adult movie it's a kid movie really aside from the fact that it's a cartoon
1: well yeah but i mean still that's the case with like like the (laughs) incredible in reality i actually rewatched the incredibles 2 the other day amazing movie but like it's a kid's movie but it is not a kid's movie
0: (laughs) in one very specific way (laughs) (laughs) yes the way mrs incredible is drawn yes
1: that's that's a woman right there
0: um <laughs> also in the first incredibles which i think would be on my on my mount mount rushmore uh there is a definite sex scene there's there's not a sex scene but it's when um mr incredible is getting uh back in shape and like mrs incredible like reaches out like like lengthens her arm really long uh... and, like, and it's like, wow, yeah, that was just like, huh. I don't know. I mean, I saw when I was 11. It's not like I saw when I was four. I knew, I knew what it was intimating. But yeah, you know what? Just quick off the top of my head. I think I would go Incredibles, Toy Story, Inside Out, and Coco. Wow, that's a
1: really great. Those are all great choices. I actually think I would maybe, that would maybe be mine too. Yeah, I'm not going to lie though. There's I might no be, shortage of choices. You're right. No, very true. I might even be, I, I might have to just watch Incredibles again. I watched it like fairly recently, like the past, like, I mean, in 2020, I know I watched it, but I honestly think more than saying, taking away from the Incredibles, I think I liked Incredibles two more, like just for how good of a movie that it was, you know, I thought it was really cool. And I thought that uh, it's also kind of crazy to me. Like, I know it was really cool with like the big, like 18 year like hype buildup for it all for it to come back, but um, they should make more of those movies because yeah. you can do so much with that and the fact that it's like an expanded universe as well not to say that they need to you know do like a marvel thing and do like 27 movies or something but like a couple more wouldn't hurt they're really good movies like the quality has not d- does not diminish at all
0: yeah no i uh i agree i think it's a uh, it's one of the better superhero movies of the of the century I would agree. I is would definitely the, agree. Is it the best one of the aughts? It's like competition is probably the original Spider-Man.
1: Ooh. When did the original Iron Man come out? Was that 2009? Eight. 2008. Okay. I mean, probably those three are like the top three. Oh, d- the Dark probably, Knight. What's that? Oh, the, the Dark Knight. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I would say, I would say Dark Knight, then The Incredibles and then iron man honestly
0: yeah that's then I'll put the
1: original spider-man fourth
0: what is your uh what's your recommendation for the week
1: oh yeah so i was actually since you kind of got to do your thing with your your favorite movies i was hoping that i could do my favorite albums of 2020 actually
0: oh yeah let's go
1: cool all right so i have a pretty good mix here um a couple of the uh, the albums I think that I had mentioned uh, my last two picks are on this list. So I'll just get those out of the way quick. Uh, Last week, my pick was the new abnormal by the strokes, which is their new album. Really great. Highly recommend their first full length in seven years. Um, Probably should. I I mean, I think it should win rock album of the year at the Grammys bias aside Uh, the other one, limbo, which I was my first Rick's pick Um, really great rap album, but my others uh, going through here, a uh, few of the Grammy nominees actually for Album of the Year. So, Heim, uh, Women of Music Part Two, was one of my favorite records of the year. I was so impressed hearing it. I've always liked Heim for a while. Uh, pretty much, I've, I've gotten to see them once at a festival, and I've liked them since they dropped their first album. Um, but this one I just felt like was like a huge step for them. Uh, Just in terms of like their lyrics and and songwriting um, and and the production value as well was really, really cool. Great record. Another one, another uh, album that was nominated for album of the year, uh, Future Nostalgia, Dua Lipa's album. Really good. She really leaned into a lot of like 80s disco vibes on it without it being too um, without playing into it too much, I guess. Like it still has a very like modern feel to it, but it's just like it's so good um great bass playing throughout the album as you would expect with any record that has a lot of disco influences uh and just it's very dancey and it's also too i mean she's just amazing speaking of Dualipa, if anybody is looking for a great way to kill like 20 minutes go watch her tiny desk concert that she just put out with npr um obviously they're not doing the in-person ones for those of you who are familiar with tiny desk i should say um but it's just like a, a stripped down performance with uh it's like a drum machine a guitarist bassist and then her backup singers and she blew me away so good um and then of the other uh album of the year nominees my pick for what I think not what I think will win but what I think should win in my opinion what my favorite like what I think should win album of the year uh Cholombo Cholombo which is Janae Iko's album um I listened to that recently uh, I listened to it last week for the first time And it was a like make the arms on or the hairs on your arms stand up like chills kind of record. Um, Her voice is is so beautiful, and I'm I'm a huge fan of R&B as it is. But this was just such a like deeply personal album. You can tell, but also just the music throughout it, and and her vocal melodies are just so i i it's beautiful and also she's like a really good rapper too so it kind of hits you from a lot of different angles but in my opinion no disrespect to any of the other nominees because all of the the nominees were great for album of the year but i really think that that one should win um and then uh, a couple other ones in there that i liked a lot from this year circles uh mac miller's posthumous uh album i really enjoyed that um, what I think was the best rap album of the year, which I think it's crazy that it was not included in the Grammy nominees, um, and that they haven't even gotten a nominee to begin with, is just like the, the most wild thing. But especially for this rac- record, RTJ4 uh, by Run the Jewels, oh, yeah, that was great. That to me was the best rap album of the like that was top to bottom, it was awesome. And on top of it being just like probably their best work to date, too, um, and, and it, it was just like the lyrical. Uh, content that it explored especially coming out around the time of like george floyd's killing and and the protests that were just you know like the story of the world um throughout the summer the timing at which that this record came out and the themes that it explored i mean it it was more than just like a really good rap album to me it felt like it was like a cultural moment um you know I, i was at several of uh of the protests throughout the summer and and always you know like songs from that album were getting played at it and I would be playing them on the way there too. You know, like it was, it was just, it, it was an incredible album um, from top to bottom and, and Killer Mike and LP are at the top of their game. And I'm super, super excited to see what they're going to do next. Uh, and then otherwise um, what kind of music, which was uh, Tom Mish, who's one of my favorite artists. He was my number two on Spotify this year. Him and yusef Days put out, put it out. It's a really good album. Highly recommend checking out Tom Mish for anybody who just likes really good guitar music um with a little bit of like an r&b soul f- uh feel to it too a little poppy also and finally uh take time by give which is nominated for r&b album of uh male r&b album of the year which i think that absolutely should win because it is amazing so good mix between some rap rock and r&b there um sorry to anybody who likes country music I, that's that's all i have to say <laughs> all right well excluding taylor swift her album was cool i liked her album
0: no comment yeah um all right good stuff you're not a fan no yeah yeah leave it at that
1: no i is it because of more than music reasons
0: oh yeah i mean i I think her music sucks but yeah it's more than that
1: her her, i thought her album this year was was it was good i it was i mean it wasn't on my like top albums of the year but like i'm it wasn't horrible but i agree with you for the the other things as well fun stuff always a good way to end an episode with a little bit of taylor swift aggression you got to do it sometimes
0: an embarrassment to the taylor community really
1: well that's the thing actually yeah this is a little bit it hits home for you a little bit more than uh any other celebrity really yeah i guess so i mean at least you have taylor hall though and now you're in the same city as him
0: yeah oh absolutely
1: big win for you there for taylor's everywhere yeah huge (laughs) Huge, huge, huge. All right, Taylor. Well, any last thoughts before we sign off? Um,
0: uh, not really happy new year, I guess.
1: Okay. Yeah. Happy new year as well. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. So before we go again, we just want to remind you all to make sure you're checking out the hockey podcast network and Buffalo fanatics hockey podcast network. As we always say, it's one-stop shop for all of your NHL news. Uh, season again, getting away, getting underway, uh, in just over a week now, and this will be the place for you to get every information, every bit of information that you may need on any team in the league. Uh, very exciting stuff. Very excited. We have a couple of new shows in the mix also this year. So we're excited to welcome them to the network. Uh, and then also make sure you're checking out Buffalo fanatics as well. We are a week away now, less than by the time you'll be listening to this, uh, to the bills wild card matchup against, uh, whoever they end up playing again, we don't know right now, but, uh, Buffalo fanatics is where it's at for whether it's, you know, updates on the team and the day-to-day, make sure you're following them, whether it's analysis on the games, um, and on the players, Buffalo fanatics is where it's at. So make sure you're checking out both of them uh, on their respective websites, along with their social media platforms and wherever you stream podcasts. With that being said, Taylor, who is your random Sabres player of the episode? I obviously got to go with Brad boys. You know what? I'm going to go with Brad boys too. Is there anybody else who we could even pick? I I, I don't, I don't think so. Pouring one out for Brad boys and all the real ones out there. That's right. (laughs) that's right all right everybody well hey thank you all so much for tuning in as always this has been straight up sabers we'll see you next time